Hey everybody, this is Mark Danzi, and I want to say again, thanks for listening to the 419 Disciple Makers podcast. If you're listening to this, it's because you're interested in being all that God has uh, created you to be, to grow into the fullness of Christ. And every year we have a conference here at Mount Pisgah, and this year our conference is Empowered, Grow into the Fullness of Christ. And we want to invite you to be a part of this. Uh, Stephen Macchia will be here, he'll be our presenter, he's a conference speaker, a ministry coach, a spiritual director, and it's going to be Friday, August 23rd. 7 to 9 p.m. and Saturday, August 24th, 9 a.m. to noon. So often we are working and volunteering and serving, and it actually can leave us exhausted at the end of the day, but this isn't the kind of life that the Lord envisioned for us. Actually, our serving, our working should be a fulfilling, enriching experience. You can go to our website uh, and get more information, mountpisgah.org backslash empowered. We really hope to see you there and uh, join us as we get empowered. In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. And now back to our conversation with Michael Jordan. I think probably 25, 26 years ago when I went on my first uh, trip, um, it really really affected my heart. And... um, I just remember making a commitment then that I got 52 weeks a year. Uh, I'm going to spend one week on the mission field in some capacity, and uh, mostly always in the third world because it continually recalibrates my greed. I'm a pretty greedy person by nature, and when you go where people are happy that don't have half what you have, you come back going, (laughs) I'm a dork. I don't need all this stuff. You know, I don't need to worry about everything because they're certainly not worrying about a lot of that stuff. Some of them have a more uh, deeper, more vibrant spiritual life uh, just scraping by than many people in our community who are, who are loaded with all kinds of stuff. You actually described one of the, the, the characteristics of first-timers who come back um, from a trip, and they have this reaction. And one of the ones I've seen from some of the, the teens that have gone on trips is this realization that, that some of these people were going to serve. They have through our eyes, nothing in terms of what the world Mm -hmm. gives, yet they're happy and content. And that raises a question, why? You know, why am I not content with what I have, and why are they content? Great question. Uh, And it it just, I I think it opens up the, um, the eyes, especially of the youth, that you know, some of the things that we live around in, in the United States, and we're so blessed, that's not how the rest of the world lives. Yeah, I would say, yeah, two-thirds of the world live much uh, in much more desperate situations than what a lot of people in our community and even in the United States experience. Um, there is poverty in the United States, certainly. There's there's all kinds of struggle, but I don't know. There's something about the third world that um, once you live it, see it, experience, smell it, taste it, I mean, it's just... You just can't describe it. You just got to go and experience it for yourself and then open up your heart and let the Lord speak to you there. I've had God speak to me in very clear, vivid ways on the mission field. I have too. Yeah, it's nothing nothing quite like it. I want to go back to something you said earlier about how people praise different or even pray different. When um went to Kenya um, several years ago, we were there at the Mountain Park Academy in Nakuru, and I remember there's an orphanage attached to it, and... Uh, this, there was a woman that was working the, at the orphanage area local, and she said a prayer with a group or something. We had about 30 teenagers with us, and she said a prayer. And I, I just kind of in passing complimented her prayer. 
And I said, you know, that was a really, that was a really beautiful prayer. I noticed that uh, everybody here really prays fervently, you know, it's really uh, refreshing. And she pulled me to the side, and I thought she's about to reprimand me. And she said, well, let me tell you why that is. Do you know why that is? And I just looked at her, you know, my eyes big and thought, "Mm, please tell me, enlighten me. And she said, well, we people here, we pray different than you, than our other brothers and sisters uh, from America. And uh, I said, well, I noticed that. And she said, because she said, when you're praying that for your baby to eat today and your baby hasn't eaten in three days, um, she said, you pray different. And she said, she asked me the question, she said, so what do you pray about? And she wasn't being, you know, mean or anything. She was literally wanting to know. And I thought, oh, I don't even want to tell her. <laughs> I pray like for my favorite sports team to win. I pray for, you know, enough money in retirement. I pray for, you know, sometimes physical healing and stuff. But I'll never forget that. She said, when you pray for your starving baby to have food, you pray differently. And it goes back to this um, perspective that they need God. Yeah. They expect God to deliver. Um, but, you know, that subject well, about— But we do too, don't we? Well, we do. We do. I just think um, uh, the busyness and the culture and, and what we live in is that we sometimes don't think of, you know, he is the provider of everything, Yeah. right? And um, But there's so much that's there. Um, there's that difference between want and need. Mm-hmm. Um, but the topic of prayer, let, let's, let's um, talk about that. You, you mentioned earlier there's um, there's support, okay, mm-hmm. raise funds for it, there's, there's go. There's also pray. To me, that's the third component. And I think one of the other ones, you talk about that experience of praying with someone um, in the field. I've had several instances where um, either I was asked to pray for someone or got invited into it and um, I think one of the perspectives, those of us who are given this um, unique opportunity to take a team of people somewhere around the world, outside mm-hmm. of their comfort zone, in a culture that they've never been in, and you focus on the people you're going to serve, but at that opportunity that you're being given with those people for that week to 10 days, um, if you're a leader, you should be focused on 50% about the spiritual formation of the team you're leading mm-hmm. and 50% on the people you're going to serve because you're going to make an impact right then by, you know, God's going to show up and do amazing things and he's going to be there. But there's a level of intentionality mm-hmm. that I think is important. And one of those happens to be prayer. Yeah, I can see that. And we, we, we've asked uh, on some teams to f- find a way while you're there on that mission trip to um, pray with someone and ask how you can pray for them and how they can pray for you. Um, and there are all kinds of stories of things that, that happen as a result of just taking that small step. And I, th- I think it, it kind of um, primes the pump, so to speak. You're on the mission field. You may have never asked anybody to could I pray for you in your life, but you're just more open to that there in that environment because everybody, at least on the team, so to speak, with you, you know, is interested in that too, right? They, they are, and, you know, you, you come along some beside some people. I mean, we have people that have never been asked to pray out loud before. Um, so you just come along with them, and um, it is just interesting to see that interaction. I can remember um, one instance in Africa where uh, we had asked, 
each one of the members to do that. And literally afterwards, the daughter came up and said, that's the first time my mom and I have ever prayed together. And it was the most wonderful experience. And it was just simply because uh, a request to be intentional, you know, Mm -hmm. and to ask them to pray for you and, and, and to pray for the person in front of you. Wow. I had to go halfway around the world. Uh, yes, but there, there's something about that environment. You're, you're gone for a week and you're mm-hmm. serving God and, and you're being very intentional about it without all the distractions that we have each and every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, God will show up in some amazing ways. No doubt about it. You know, I, I, being in the church for a long time, you see people who are passionate about mission, but not necessarily passionate about the Great Commission, you know, making disciples of Jesus. And so uh, I've seen people who got really fired up for a while about going and serving, but yet when it came to their own spiritual growth development, really being a disciple of Jesus who makes disciples, there seemed to be a disconnect. And um, your experience with with missions is obvious. You've been talking about that. What about your experience with discipleship or disciple making? Well, let me give a little um, background to kind of pull us up to this point. But um, I, I do think that there's a connection. And um, for, for me, my journey may be a little bit in reverse. Um, it's been some, some time ago where my personal focus on mission trips was, you know, there's very few people reaching out to the unreached. Um, you know, trying to do that initial uh, um, leadership and spiritual formation of people groups that are just being introduced uh, to God's Word, you know, and trying to get into a more uh, deep one-on-one relationship. But, you know, here I am in the corporate world and taking a couple of weeks of vacation every year and going on mission trips, but not being completely connected to, you know, the intentionality of, you know, teaching people you know, how to be disciples mm-hmm. at teaching. Um, that's, the, that's the wrong word. Um, leading people to understand the example that Jesus gave us. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, you know, it's on the back side of it. There is one particular individual who spent, he told me five years he'd been praying for me to join a, a covenant group. <laughs> and, and and to get into the disciple making process, and I resisted for all the reasons that you know maybe some other people give. I traveled seventy five percent of the time in my corporate job, and whenever I had time available, I was involved in missions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess I would say I I had a little bit of what I thought was a legitimate excuse. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. <laughs> um, his persistence and his prayers uh, paid off, and I actually joined a group a little over three and a half years ago. Uh, and it, and again, we, let's go back to that notion of the personal invitation. So mm-hmm. once again, this is someone who who cared about me, who loves me, who said this is something I really think you need to get involved with. So that that personal invitation, um, you know had a lot to do with me finally saying yes for something I knew I should have said yes to years earlier. And I can't can't come up with a great reason to, mm-hmm. to say why I waited that long. But um, I have stepped into the process and been at, been at it for the last three and a half years. And it has been um, an, another world, another step in, in, in spiritual growth and, and more of an understanding. I can go all the way around the world, but I have to be prepared in a one-on-one relationship mm-hmm. to be able to speak into somebody's life and you know and and model how a disciple you know lives their life and to help others to see the same. 
They say you'll find a way or you'll find an excuse. And you found an excuse for several years, but then you found a way. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> and so tell us a little bit about your group. You guys have met for three, three and a half years, I guess now, probably coming to the close of that and about to multiply. We are. We um, are. How, how often did you meet in your group? Were you once a week, once every other week? What? No, in our case, um, we met every other week and we met for three and a half to four hours. Okay. So they were uh, less frequent, but more um, deep engagement, I okay. guess is the easiest way for me to describe it. So the time commitment was the same. It was just spread out more. It, it was. And, you know, that's the way it was set up initially. And for, and for me, it actually worked out much better. It also gave us the freedom that inside of any one of our uh, meetings, and I look, I so look forward to being with this group of guys that, you know, if if we needed to kind of go a little bit off course and talk about something specific mm-hmm. or, or dive into some area with a little bit more depth, um, I felt like it was a lot more conducive for doing that. You didn't j- get started and get going and then, oh, okay, yeah. Look I'll the see time. you next yeah. week. <laughs> so um, how many guys are in your group? Um, there are six. We started out with 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ended up with six. Um and as uh, uh, our leaders, we call that fine tuning. By the way, uh, as a matter of fact, yes. <laughs> and I, and and we learned that over time. But I think, you know, seeing the 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 two people who made that commitment to be there mm-hmm. every other week, and regardless of the size of the group, um, you know, this was the group that God called us to be together, and and we're going to work with what God gives us. Mm. And um, uh, the core group now of six um, that was there after the first year, we've been together for the next three years. How about that? But you you, you mentioned something. Uh, we are uh, uh, getting prepared to launch and come to the end. Mm-hmm. You know, while, while we could keep going, there's so much more to learn. I think the understanding that you're already equi- equipped and should be ready to go out and and pour into other people's lives as they've poured into yours. Yeah, and that's the beautiful thing about these discipleship groups um, that I covenant groups that, that I think differentiates between a lot of others, and that is they are designed with the end in mind that there is a finishing line, and when we cross that finishing line, we're going to go out and multiply. It's not that we're we're ending anything; it's we're taking it to the next level. And so, so many uh, churches, so many groups, you know, they just decide to meet with no definition of what the end will look like. And so, uh, but I know the group that you're in, and that is, they're really targeted. They're really laser focused uh, on us becoming mature believers who then will launch out and make uh, other groups for mature, to get people to maturity in their spiritual life. Right. Right. And mission, I, I really think though that this conversation with you has been so healthy because I really think that if we can get people, even in our covenant groups, interested in mission and in going and in serving, um, and it may be that we're not going to go like some traditional mission trips are and pour a concrete floor or do vacation Bible school for the children. All those are great things and, and fun and, and very meaningful. But you have found a way to um, incorporate disciple-making into your mission work. And uh, tell us a little bit about that. So let's say for the person who has never really been exposed to that, what what does that look like? Well, in some respects, it looks very similar to the way um, it works, the, the process we've set up here, but it's in a much more compressed time frame. Um, 
I think the other piece is a recognition that, you know, there's humanitarian, there's investing in the the local church, there's um, VBS. I mean, there's a need for a wide range of mission trips um, that engage people at all different levels and, and, and their spiritual maturity. But, but if you've spent enough time overseas, you'll see how hungry these people are to know more. Mm. Um, so taking a step deeper, mm-hmm. okay, into, you know, the insights we've been given, you know, through study, being in small groups, and just understanding how Jesus went about this, um, that is not taking place in a lot of these countries, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that opportunity to engage with them because the goal is to build up leaders within the church and to support the church. But I think the next step that we're trying to engage in is to find a smaller group uh, of a, a cross-cultural uh, covenant group. And it, it's normally um, you know, one or two people here with people from the same culture over there. Um, but it's the same, con- same concepts of of meeting together regularly, pouring in each other's lives, you know, looking to, um, you know, the the plan that Jesus laid out of how we're supposed to go about being disciples and, and engaging them at a level deeper than you would get on a one-week mission trip. So the the mission trip is is kind of set up as as a way to make those connections and start those relationships. Mm, okay. um, so it's when the mission. So in other words, when you fly home, it's not over. Uh, no, you've probably just started. <laughs> so see, that's a very different paradigm for a lot of people. A lot of people, you know, you got this week to go serve, and then you come back, and then you go about your normal life. But what you're doing is different. You're you're maintaining connections with people on the mission field, pouring into them, and uh, inviting them into this disciple-making process so that they begin to multiply groups there, yeah, where they are. Is that correct? It is. And, and there's a little bit of a concept of... Um, Let's just talk about general missions. You go once, and the people uh, that you go to serve, you know, they're blessed by it and they're touched. You go a second time and a third time, and and, and that relationship gets mm-hmm. a lot deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I think what you see inside of this is that here's somebody on the other side of the earth, okay, who cares enough to be able to step into a deeper relationship. And um, it really creates some some very unique relationships. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I would call it some 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 God engineered moments mm-hmm. that just kind of kind of play out. But I think there is something special about a relationship that where you make the decision to invest time, um, a lot of time over uh, um, an extended period of time to be able to pour into someone else's life. Um, but I don't see the process other than the geographical differences and the fact that we may have to use some technology to yeah, be able which, to do which that. Which is a gift, by the way. It is a big gift. Yeah. The work we've done in Russia, and you've been a part of that as well, is here, um, you know, we, we'd gone over and met some leaders, and they wanted to know more about disciple-making, so we started these online, we call them online and on-site visits. Right. And so we were discipling some leaders online once a month. And uh, then they started groups, and we would go back the next summer to Moscow. And so now we've uh, gone three summers in a row. We've done these conferences for them, but we've maintained the relationships online in between. And I really think that's been the key. And now they're doing fine. They don't need us. I mean, we've taught them everything we know now, uh, and they're growing. 
uh, at a great rate. There's a lot of covenant groups being birthed through, uh, through the Moscow Seminary of United Methodists. Um, they're growing, and it is unbelievable to see. But wouldn't like to your point, wouldn't happen on a one week trip, and then we come back and we're done. It happens through the ongoing commitment and relationship, which sounds daunting, honestly, to a lot of people. But I can say personally, it's been one of the biggest blessings of my life. Well, I think the 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 other piece, there's going to be some additional on-site. You talked about it's a combination of both. The technology will be key to being able to sustain it over time. Um, but it, it comes back to whether you're doing a covenant group and a and a global setting, or you're going on a mission trip. I just when you're worshiping with people in other cultures and you're mm-hmm. you're focused on the the same God, the mm-hmm. same Jesus, but you're from two different parts of the world. Um, there's a richness in the in the uh, in the worship and the praise and the questions and and just understanding the life life on life pieces. Um, uh, I, I agree. It's the most some of the most rewarding opportunities I've ever had is to serve people in the field. Mm. Well, I know uh, you are headed to uh, Siberia. I am. Here uh, in a few months, and uh, I'm headed to Spain, and uh, we are going to be looking for leaders there that will be wanting to engage in ongoing disciple-making, so we'll start a new three-year commitment and process to uh, to that. And so if you're out there wondering, what can I pray for? Pray for Michael. Pray for Mark, uh, that Amen. the Lord would give us uh, uh, some leaders there that are really interested in what we're doing and talking about even here. So... Well, Michael, what kind of encouragement would you give our listeners today? Whether they're they're on the treadmill or they're in traffic, I don't know what's what, what's going on in their life, but in their heart, they're feeling like God's calling them to do something. What kind of encouragement would you give them? I think the first one would just continue to pray, um, but be open for you know th- that pull or or that voice or that tug, and it may not always come in the way you think. Okay, it may come from people that are being put in front of your life, um, in front of you during life. But you know, seek it out. Be intentional about it. Um, you know, find your place to serve. It doesn't necessarily have to be overseas, but at least my perspective and what we've seen happen is, is if if you go overseas and and you spend some time in another culture, focused on serving God and being intentional about um, your spiritual well being. He is going to show up, oh, okay, yeah. and, and, and you're going to get some clarity while you're there, even if that clarity happens to be what you should be doing when you return home. He will honor that, I know, absolutely. Well, thank you for your, um, for your time today, and thank you for encouraging us. And it's just so neat to see a guy who was climbing the corporate ladder now, uh, connecting people to Christ all over the world. That's what you're doing, and it's very inspiring. Uh, amen. <laughs> and hey, if you're out there today, go to 419disciplemakers.org and uh, get all those free resources that we're giving away, uh, curriculum ideas, uh, articles, videos. And uh, if we can help you in any way, contact us through that website. If you want to get in touch with Michael and ask him about some other mission opportunities and, uh, and how he might could lend his expertise to you, I'm sure he'd be Uh, willing to do that. So we hope that you're encouraged today to live out the great commission uh, that Jesus gave us, which is to, as you're going throughout the world, making disciples, teaching them to obey everything uh, that he taught us, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I know I got that backwards, but it means the same thing. It means the same thing. And here's the promise. He said, I will never leave you 
or forsake you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. And that, my friends, is worth it all. So God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciple Makers podcast.